Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon text is from uh, the Gospel reading from Matthew 28. The Great Commission. Uh, My theme is the Father's Plan. You know, fathers are under attack today more than ever. Boy, are they criticized. Sometimes it's just, isn't it? There are a lot of deadbeat dads out there. And at times, us fathers, we can... uh, be in our own ways deadbeat. But then there's our heavenly father, the perfect father, perfect in every way. And that's the father that we especially need this Father's Day and every day. Father's Day, heavenly father, should really be every day for the Christian. The father has a plan. Any good earthly father has a plan, right? hopefully, a plan for his family. That plan is to protect his family. You agree, fathers? Yeah, protect your family. Provide for your family. That's a good part of the plan. And the other part is spiritual growth for your family. A good earthly father will be about those three things. Our Heavenly Father has great plans for all of us as His children. And through the waters of holy baptism, we are the Father's children. I think of Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The Father's plan. In our text this morning from the Great Commission... God tells his children through Jesus, and this is his plan, to be about these three things. To make disciples, to baptize, and teach them to obey. Those are three gospel imperatives that are at the center of the Father's plan for all of us as his people. So today I'd like to talk about that and how it affects us as children of our Heavenly Father. First of all, disciples. It is the Father's plan that we make disciples. What's a good definition of a disciple? Well, a disciple, simply stated, is a follower of Jesus Christ. And a disciple is also a learner. It is the Father's plan that we follow Jesus... And that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we continually seek to learn more about the Lord. And then follow that. Are you following that? You know, every pathway that we take, every choice that we make, leads us down some type of road. There are God-pleasing roads to take, and then there are some roads that aren't so God-pleasing. And we know about those, don't we? And then there are some roads that we take that literally lead our lives around in circles. And we never get anywhere. And the question is, are we following Jesus Christ or are we following ourselves? I have to tell you a little story about going in circles. I had to turn in the U-Haul truck. Yesterday we just moved here and got everything here to our... We now have an official residence in Nashville. Praise be to God. Yeah. 
We're in Franklin. We're in the Fieldstone Farms area. We're renting. And uh, it's a smaller home, but we like it. Uh, talk about family togetherness. We're going to have it one way or the other. We are. Yeah. Sometimes God forces your hand. <laughs> no. Well, I'm bringing the U-Haul truck back. And I have my GPS. And I don't know where a lot of things are here. Because I'm still learning the area. So I really trust my, my GPS. And it's right 99% of the time. But there's always that 1% that comes into play. All right? So it's leading me to this place in Brentwood uh, called the Wilson Pike Circle, I think. You know where that is? And let me tell you, it's a circle. I, I know. It's 360 degrees of a circle. And... My GPS keeps taking me around that circle. And Roger Lindsay, uh, graciously enough, agreed to take me and, and, you know, be there for me after I drop off the U-Haul for a ride back. And um, I call him and I said, hey, you know, have you found this place? And uh, he said, yeah, but I don't think you have. And it's like, you're right, I haven't found it. I'm the dummy driving the U-Haul truck around in circles. That you've probably seen twice past you. And so I'm going around in circles and I finally find it. But you know what? To me, that's a great illustration of what our lives are like without a clear destination that our Lord gives us. And he always gives us, he gives us that clear destination. And that is to follow Jesus. And where he leads us, we follow in faith. That's what a disciple does follows the Lord. And when we follow Him, things are better, aren't they? Aren't they? In our marriages, in our personal lives, in our professional lives, they're always better. So again, I ask you, are your choices, are your pathways that you are choosing, are they bringing you closer to the Lord as a disciple or further away. I think of the rich young ruler. Remember him in the Bible? He said that he was ready to be a disciple of Jesus. He was ready to follow Jesus. In fact, he said that he had kept all of the commandments, which isn't true. You can't keep all of them because we sin in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. And so Jesus saw through his duplicity and put him to the test and said, hey, if you want to be my disciple, sell everything that you have and give the money to the poor. And the rich young man, it says, he walked away sadly because he knew he couldn't do it. That rich young man was this close to the kingdom of God. He was this close. Jesus was right there in front of him. He could have been a disciple. But he chose another path. Sometimes I wonder what happened to that rich Young ruler. My hunch is he lived an unfulfilled life. Chasing the ways of the world. Which always left him truly unhappy. You can be close to Christ but yet very far away from him. Another example is Judas. He knew Jesus. He was the treasurer of the crowd. He heard Jesus' sermons and his teachings for three years. But when it came time to be a committed disciple, 
he chose another path. Which path will it be for you and me? The second thing that's part of the Father's plan from our text from Matthew 28 is to baptize. The Lord says we are to baptize. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We have two sacraments in the Lutheran Church, baptism and Holy Communion. In baptism, God comes down to us through the water and the Word, and He adopts us. He brings us into His family. We're His children. That's pretty awesome when you think about it, isn't it? We are children of the Almighty. And He's made that claim upon you and me. As children of the Almighty, we want to see other people adopted and brought into the family. That's why one of my goals as your pastor is to have a lot of baptism. A lot of baptisms happening right up here. I will never forget, it was 2010 at my last church. And I had had a pretty sizable adult information class where people are... You know, they're wondering if they're going to join the church, and uh, many of them uh, unchurched, dechurched, and, and it just so happened, and I'm always amazed at this, when I talk about baptism, there are a lot of people who've never been baptized. So I talk about it a lot, because it's important. It's part of the Father's plan, right? He commands it. And I'll never forget this, a few weeks before Christmas Day, we had a Christmas Day service, and we have one here too, I understand, that's great. And all these people wanted to be baptized. And then two or three said, can I do it on Christmas Day? And I'm like, well, let me ask this person to see if they don't care. And then the Holy Spirit started doing something that, and it wasn't me. But by the time it was all said and done, you know how many people wanted to be baptized on Christmas Day 2010? Nineteen. Nineteen baptisms. And it was a mixture of adults, children, and babies. We had a long line going all the way out into the lobby or the narthex, whatever your choice is for that. And I'll just never forget that. Now, it created a little bit of a logistical problem, but you know what? Who cares? God commands it. It's the Father's plan that people are baptized and come to the knowledge of Jesus as Savior and Lord and then live out that baptismal walk. If you have never been baptized, I would love to talk with you about it. I'd love to do that. Call me. Email me. Catch me in the hallway. I'm hoping and praying that maybe we have 25 baptisms in the next year. Perhaps not at once. (laughs) One or two, two or three. Would God smile upon that? Yes, he would. That's what he wants us to baptize. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, All who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Baptism gives us new life. It's a rebirth. It's being born again spiritually. But even when we're born again, 
as Christians, we still struggle, don't we, to follow the Father's plan. Even as baptized children, we struggle. Because we're saints through Christ and the forgiveness He's won for us on the cross, but we still struggle with what? Sin. Do you struggle with sin? I do. I do. I hate to break it to you. I'm not perfect. (laughs) You knew that. I'm not a perfect person. In fact, my sinful side, I don't like very much. I don't like that person. Do you like your sinful side that much? You probably don't. And you know what? It's good that you don't like that sinful side. Because it means that you're struggling. And the struggle is good. In fact, we're going to be struggling with sin until Christ comes back again or we go home to be with him. In our Lutheran theology, we call it, we are saints through the blood of Christ, but we're also what? Sinners. We're saints and sinners. We're those two people. And that sinner side can be so dangerous. You remember that campaign from the 1980s that just, just say no? Remember that? That's what we need to do with sin. And it's tough to do. Because our bad sides that we struggle with, your bad self says rationalize sin. Try to find a way that it fits into your life. And that it's okay. But the Father's plan is that we say no to sin and yes to being disciples and following Christ. I think of Jesus in John chapter 8. You remember the story? He spared this woman from being stoned. She was caught in adultery. He forgave her. Jesus is always there to forgive and restore. Remember, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So he forgives this woman, and then he leaves her with these words. He says, go and sin no more. That's what he tells us today. Go and sin no more. Hey, you're forgiven. Now be the new person that you are. You know, sin is not a victimless event. Sometimes we think that. But sin always injures our relationship with our Father God. And sin always, eventually, injures our relationship with other people. Our spouses, our neighbors, our friends. And sin also injures us as individuals. It's never good for us. The Father's plan is that we follow Him. The third part of the Father's plan from Matthew 28 is obedience. Remember, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. Obedience. You know, my earthly father was a very wise man. And I have to tell you, early on, I thought he was the dumbest man on the planet. Isn't that something? How our earthly fathers seem wiser through the passage of years. 
I have even caught myself saying some of the same things that my father said. And I vowed I'd never say them. Things like, make sure you put on your sunscreen. Oh, you can't go into the pool until you've rested for 30 minutes. I thought those were all so stupid rules. And now I'm telling my kids to do them. Why? Because they're right. And it's best for them. Remember that show, Father Knows Best? It's true. And our Heavenly Father, and this is incorrect English, He knows the bestest. (laughs) He does. God's direction plan for our lives is right here. It's right here. Are we obeying this? Are we following this? It's the Father's plan that we follow this. Because in all 66 books, it points us to the only way to be saved, and it's through Jesus Christ. And it also serves as a guide for our lives. Every answer to any problem or dilemma you're facing in this life is contained right here. And that's why it is so good that we're in the house of the Lord to hear that and to learn and grow. Because if we go on our own feelings, if we go with what society says, if we go with what we want to do, it will always lead us to the wrong destination. When I think of God's Word, I think of this. If you heard this quote, where God's Word puts a period, don't put a question mark. How come we always want to put a question mark? How come we always want to put brackets around a phrase and say, uh, don't think this applies today? You catch yourself doing that? I'll catch myself. And it's not right. We have to battle that. We have to fight that. That's the Father's plan. I think of this great coach, and his name was Bear Bryant. You remember Bear Bryant? He coached Alabama, and they had six national championships. And in a lot of ways, he was a father to those players. And they looked to him as a father figure. He asked much of them. He caused a lot of uh, sore days and nights as they were recovering from from pain. (laughs) But he was helping to shape them into men, leaders. He knew most of them would never play pro. He wanted to make sure... They were responsible men who could provide for their families and be people of character and integrity. What Bear Bryant used to always do with every freshman class that would come in, he would start off by having them gather together and he would say, how many of you want to win a national championship? Well, they all raised their hand. I mean, who's not going to raise their hand? And then he said this, how many of you think you're prepared to win a national championship? And then that caused, like, people, some are raising their hands. And then he said, Bear Bryant said, the most important thing about winning a national championship is not that you want to win one, because everybody wants to win one. It's are you willing to be prepared to win? And then he explained what that meant. Are you willing to run the extra mile that nobody else wants to run? Are you willing to spend that extra amount of time in the weight room 
when other people already say go home? Are you willing to make sacrifices of your time, of your energy, that other people aren't willing to do? If you are, you'll win a national championship because you will be prepared to win one. When Jesus Christ tells us that we are to go and make disciples, that we are to baptize, that we are to teach people to obey Him, our Father God is telling us to not be common, ordinary people. He's telling us to be uncommon. When the world is going one way, and the majority is going that way, instead we're telling people to go the narrow way, that it holds the key to eternal life. And it holds the key to joy and contentment in this current life. To make disciples, to baptize, to obey. That's the Father's plan for our church, for our academy, for our youth group. Anytime we make a local mission trip, anytime we make a global mission trip, that's the Father's plan. To go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. I want to close with this. We have not been perfect disciples. None of us have. We haven't been people who've always lived out our baptisms the way we should have. And we haven't been perfect in the obedience part. And that's where we can thank our Father God for the perfect plan. Because He has forgiven us for all those times that we've messed up. As fathers, as mothers, as Christian people, His blood forgives us. And now we are set free. And we're ready to be about the Father's business. The Father's plan. It's the best one. Father knows best. Let's follow our Heavenly Father as He points us to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We rise for our blessing. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now may the blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you now and always.